We uh, started a sermon series, Back to School, Proverbs for Everyday Life. I want us to think together this morning as we continue this series about the power of the tongue. And uh, in just a moment, I'm going to be reading two scriptures from Proverbs, the 18th chapter, verses 6 through 8, and the 25th chapter, 11 through 13. So you may want to have your Bibles open and ready. Before we do that, let's take a few moments and pray together, shall we? We thank you, loving God, for your eternal and steady presence, for the wonderful truth that the soul can cry out to you and find you faithful in all seasons. We pray today that you will bless our our hearts, bless our church family, be with those who are struggling with illness, be with those who have... uh, heartache and grief, be with those who are dealing with economic pressures and family strife. Dear God, be with those in our community who don't have enough food and don't have shelter. Care for them and watch over them and make us good stewards of our influence and our deeds and our resources that we will do those things that work to help those in need. We pray for our sisters and brothers in the uh, Hispanic Fellowship, Familia Cristiana Internacional. We pray your richest blessings as they meet to worship today. We ask today that you bless churches everywhere where the name of Jesus is lifted up. We pray especially for victims of Hurricane Harvey, for the first responders, for those who have lost so much in this devastation for their continued safety and the rains that will follow and in the works of restoration. May we be faithful in praying for them and sharing with them as the opportunities arise. And God, we come to you in worship as we look at the Proverbs that you have for us. And we realize that we always stand in need of confessing sin and failure. We always stand in need of our need to grow uh, in character, uh, in building Christian fellowship, and in honoring you. We need to grow to be more open, and we need to depend more upon the power of the risen Christ. So we pray, dear God, that you might truly work in our hearts and minds as we seek ways to be good stewards of our lips and our words, that in all things Christ may be glorified your church build up, and that the witness of Jesus would be pure and strong coming from us. We thank you and praise you for hearing our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are able, I invite you to stand as I read aloud God's word from Proverbs 18 and then from Proverbs 25. A fool's lips bring strife. And a fool's mouth invites a flogging. The mouths of fools are their ruin and their lips a snare to themselves. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. And then from 25, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise rebuke to a listening ear. Like the cold of snow in the time of harvest are faithful messengers to those 
who send them, they refresh the spirit of their masters. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Somebody said that uh, the book of Proverbs is like taking the 66 books of our Bibles and mashing them down and condensing them down into bite-sized nuggets uh, that just sort of distill down the truth of God without all of the stories. And that's a pretty good way to describe the book of Proverbs. God's truth sort of condensed down into nuggets and leaving all the stories in the background out. Uh, We have been thinking together about the book of Proverbs and we've talked about the fact that Proverbs deal with God's wisdom and wisdom is not the same as knowledge. Remember we talked two weeks ago about the fact that there's lots of knowledge in this world but not a lot of wisdom because wisdom is God's truth that's organized in, in productive and helpful ways. And I want to show you on the screen, God's wisdom is knowledge organized in order to build character, build community, and honor God. And almost anywhere you go in the book of Proverbs or other wisdom literature of the Bible, including some of the Psalms, you will find them focused on taking knowledge and making it organized in such a way to build character, to build community, and to honor God. And that's especially true uh, as the Proverbs teaches us about the use of the tongue, about the use of words. Uh, They are to build our character and others' character, not to tear down. They are to build a sense of community, not to destroy community. And words are to be used to honor God, not to blaspheme. And so you see, uh, it's a very powerful concept. Now, An interesting fact that I had not known until I began this study, the book of Proverbs contains 90-9-0 references to the tongue, the lips, or the mouth. In other words, our words that are spoken. 90 references in the 31 chapters of Proverbs. So we're striking on a fairly dominant theme when we think about the use of our words. W. Somerset Maugham uh, was uh, American novel or an English novelist born in uh, 1874, wrote a powerful novel uh, entitled Of Human Bondage. And in that uh, novel, he tells about a little nine-year-old boy who was born with talipes. Talipes is the medical term for club foot. The boy was born with one of his feet severely turned uh, and, of course, it was something that he was living with. And, and Somerset Mom describes uh, this nine-year-old boy going to boarding school in England and how during class the other students would tease him and make fun of him and call him names and how at recess they would mock him, pretending like they were taking him into games uh, and then they would mimic him limping as they played the game. And because it was a boarding school, uh, they mocked him clear up till bedtime because they lived in bunks. And he would cry himself to sleep because of the words of children. Children can be cruel. They learn it early. And when you read that description in that novel, Your gut starts hurting, hurting for this little boy because we have all been that little boy in some fashion or another, a child 
who's being made fun of or had cruel words directed towards. But another reason that our gut hurts when we read that story is because sometimes we have been the one saying the ugly words to the other people. Words that hurt. Words that destroy. A fool's lips bring strife. The mouths of fools are their ruin. Their lips are a trap to themselves. We understand that proverb, don't we? You know what a 10-year-old boy told me not long ago? Doesn't go to church here, so don't try to speculate. He was showing me his brand new tennis shoes. So proud. And here's what he said. He said, did you know that if you have these kind of tennis shoes, kids at school won't make fun of you? And then, of course, the implication being that if you don't have these kind of tennis shoes, children will. And, of course, 90 verses in Proverbs talking about the use and abuse of the tongue, the writers of Proverbs have never heard of the Internet and about people clicking send on emails that should not be sent or forwarding emails that should not be forwarded or tweeting or passing along Facebook garbage that is hurtful to people. Cyberbullying had not been invented, but the principle is still the same, to bully with our lips. Uh, as I was preparing this particular sermon, um, a young lady somewhere in the United States was convicted of manslaughter because she had been texting her supposed boyfriend, encouraging, encouraging him to complete suicide. And her words had impact because the boy took his life. She was convicted of manslaughter because words matter. Words take on life and they start marching. The lips, the fool's lips bring strife. The mouths of fools are their ruin. The lips are a snare to themselves. We understand those words. You know, um, experts in communication and rhetoric are beginning to teach us that hate speech is not only wrong. Hate speech is speech that is intended to incite violence and harm against another. And we have all seen evidence of that in our own country, sadly. Hate speech is very clear. It is intended to incite violence and, and harm to others. But experts have started talking to us about dangerous speech. Not hate speech, because dangerous speech does not intend to kill or to destroy or to cause violence, but it unintentionally does because it's dangerous. It's born out of our fears or our biases or our ignorance or our sloppy spiritual practices. And dangerous speech can do as much harm as hate speech. It's just that we don't begin intending to do that. You do realize, don't you, that gossip does not have to be untrue to be wrong. There are just some things that don't need to be repeated. And it's so interesting, the psychological insights of the writer of Proverbs. He says, the words of a whisperer 
are like delicious morsels. Have you noticed that when you lower your voice to tell something really juicy, people sort of listen? The words of a whisper are like delicious morsels. I mean, if you put a great big bowl of M&Ms down here on the communion table, there's only so long people can walk by it without taking one. Right? I'm, I'm not the only one, right? Then why are the M&Ms in my office disappearing all the time, right? And, and when you lay out those delicious morsels, those juicy tidbits... The Proverbs writer says, those delicious morsels go down into the inner parts of the body. That is to say, once people hear something hateful or destructive or untrue or partially true, it goes down into their being. There is no unhearing it. There is no way to take back what they've heard. And God's people, Christians, need to learn discipline before we click send to fact check before we do forwards and to realize sometimes some things just don't need to be repeated or forwarded or said or sent. That we need to teach, we need to learn as Christians to be respectful of one another in speech and civil to one another in speech and if the rest of the nation is not going to do it, we are still going to keep the standards of Jesus Christ in in our use of words. It's our biblical calling. It's people of Jesus. But that's only half of the biblical insight that's here for us because the tongue is not only used for destructive purposes, the tongue is also used for holy purposes and good purposes and purposes that build up. You remember in the New Testament, James says the tongue can be used to curse or the tongue can be used to bless. And so the second reading that we had this morning was from the, eight, or from the 25th chapter of Proverbs. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver, like a gold ring or an ornament of gold. Think about that image. That image of um, just the right word at just the right time can be so healing. Just the right word at just the right time can be like a diamond set on the perfect wedding band. Perfectly timed and matched. The right word can bless and heal. I was fascinated in reading the journal of Henry Nowen, the famous uh, Catholic writer and author, uh, most noted for the book, The Wounded Healer. He passed away several years ago, but in the final year of his life, he kept a journal that was published uh, entitled Sabbatical Journey. His father was still alive. Henry was in his 60s, and his father in the Netherlands, where Henry was born, was still alive. And though Henry was honored as a speaker and an author and a theologian throughout the world, and millions of people read his books, he still craved his father's blessing and approval. We never get too old to need the blessing and approval of parents. And after all of that adulation and attention, and people lined up for him to sign uh, the autograph, his autograph in, their, in his books, he still needed his dad's approval. And, and, and in the Netherlands... 
Henry's writings had been published as a, as a morning, as a daily column in the daily newspaper there in the Netherlands. So Henry was talking to his uh, aged father on the phone, and he said, Dad, how did you like my column in the paper this morning? And his dad said, after a long pause, some are better than others. It must be hard to write a good article every day. Yeah. The power of words to bless or the power of words of missed opportunities when we don't get to do the blessing because we simply missed it. Mark Twain once said, I can live two months on one compliment. Can't you? You can live two months on one compliment. It can just revive your soul. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Like gold ring or an ornament of gold is the wise counsel. The the well-spoken word at just the right time, the power to bless. Years ago, I was in a worship service here in the United States when a British Baptist, David Coffey, was preaching. And uh, he had a wonderful sermon. I don't remember what it was, but he had the most unusual ending to his sermon. Instead of browbeating us for our sins and telling us what miserable worms we were, he said, I want to close this sermon by blessing you. And he talked about the power of words to bless. He said, we have single moms out there, and I want you to know that I bless you for your courage in, in just making it through the week and following Christ during tough times. In the name of Jesus, I bless you. And we have moms out there who work and moms who stay at home, and either way you feel guilty. I want you to know that God loves you and cares about you and sees all the sacrifice you make, and in the name of Jesus Christ, I bless you. He said, I know there are senior adults out there and you feel cast aside and not listened to anymore. But God sees your courage and God sees your faithfulness and nothing you've done is wasted. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I bless you. And then he came to this. He said, I I know there are fathers out there who feel guilty because you don't spend enough time with your family and... uh, you, you feel like you failed in some ways, but I want you to know that God sees what you do and God understands, and in the name of Jesus, I bless you. And at that particular moment in my life, I don't know what was going on, but I just was feeling like a really lousy father. And the words of blessing that he spoke, though he did not know me personally, came into my thirsty soul, And I felt my soul open up like a flower that had been revived. Because words were used to bless and not curse. And I'm guessing I became a better dad by being blessed that way than if I'd been cursed for being poor. Do you remember what happened to Jesus when he was standing in the Jordan with John the Baptist? When he was baptized, the dove descended, the spirit descended like a dove, and the voice came, this is my son, my beloved. I love him so much. In him I am well pleased. 
Jesus, at his baptism, heard words of blessing from his Father. It was repeated at his transfiguration. This is my son, my beloved. I am so pleased with him. And you do realize that to become a Christian is to come into the same kind of relationship with God that Jesus has, right? To to become a follower of Christ is to come into the same kind of relationship with God that Jesus has. What is the Bible if not 66 books full of God's words of blessings to us? What is the plan of salvation if not God saying, I know you've messed up. I know you've made wrong turns. I know you feel lousy about it, but I want you to know at the core of your being, I love you. I bless you. You're important to me. That's how God uses words. And I bet you know how God wants us to use words. Right? I want you to stand and I want you to bow your heads and I want you to receive a word of blessing. You know, this concept of blessing became powerful to me about 20 or 25 years ago, realizing that the benediction is one of the most important parts of a worship service. And I want you to hear this blessing from Psalm 115. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.